come sooner than you think. Good morning and welcome to worship at Church of the Palms Presbyterian Church. I'm Pastor Phil Bliss. We're delighted that you're joining us this morning for this worship time. Last Sunday, we heard uh, the preaching of Reverend Dr. Mingi Brown, our new uh, associate pastor for congregational care. That was made official in a meeting following the service, and she begins her duties tomorrow morning. We look forward to her being here and working with us, and we welcome her. Our Wednesday evening schedule begins with, uh, at 4.30 p.m. in the chapel with a prayer time as we gather to pray for our nation. Dinner is held in a campus center at 5 o'clock and at 6.12, we begin the several uh, classes that we offer on Wednesday evenings. The Back to Basics tutoring program started last Tuesday. Uh, we still have need for tutors. Uh, please call the church office about that. Flu shots are going to be given in our chapel reception room uh, this uh, Saturday from 9 to 11, that's this Saturday for flu shots. And on October 14, uh, Sunday the 14th, the Suncoast Communities Blood Bank will be here for the giving of blood. And they'll be here on our campus from 9.30 to 12.30. We hope that you can uh, be here to uh, take a few minutes to drop by and offer blood. Worldwide Communion Sunday will be held uh, next Sunday morning, the 12th, and uh, we look forward to that every year as we have many of our members gathered in the front with costumes of various nations. And finally, uh, there's some renovation work being done on our admin building. And so there are signs about that as you come on the campus to uh, go around the front area into the admin office uh, on the side door toward the music building. So pardon our dust, 
while the work is being carried on to improve the entryway to our administration building. Again, thank you for joining us. May God richly bless this worship experience. Good morning. Welcome to Church of the Palms. My name is Chuck Fulton. I'm an elder here at the church. We begin our service with the opening prayer that's printed on the front cover of your bulletin. Let us pray. May all your people find favor with you this day, God of majesty and power. Turn our sorrow into gladness and our mourning into a holiday a holy day in which to praise you and find ways to help those less fortunate than ourselves. Lift us from our daily preoccupations that we may pray with earnest intent both to thank you and to be changed by you. Let our prayers be powerful and effective. May our worship be alive and life-changing. May the service we extend find favor in your eyes, blessed God. Amen. In reverence now, let our worship continue with the prelude.
Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Let the heavens be glad, let the earth rejoice, and let people say among the nations, the Lord reigns. The Church of the Palms is now gathered for worship.
In a recent devotional reading, uh, which I had, I read about Lillian Pearsall, uh, and she was a telephone operator. That was back in the days before cell phones, when they had the plug-in thing and they had uh, boxes outside that you could use a telephone. And uh, she had a customer in a phone booth making a long-distance call. Uh, he ran overtime and refused to put in the extra coin in the slot. And instead, he slammed down the receiver after being angry and verbally abusive to the operator. A few seconds later, he was back on the phone, a little bit calmer this time. Operator, please let me out of this phone booth. I'll pay you, just let me out. Apparently, he had locked himself in and mistakenly assumed that the operator controlled the phone booth door. Well, he gladly paid the overtime charge, and the operator's advice was sharply kick the bottom of the door, and it opened. And I use this story to illustrate that sin locks us in and shuts God out. And therefore, we need to pray our prayer of confession together. All-powerful God, we confess our devious ways. Even when prayers for others are on our lips, we seek ways to secure our own advantages. We put our trust in things we can accumulate rather than aligning ourselves with your will and way. Our behavior creates enemies and multiplies divisions among your people. Then we want you on our side against those who are different from us. We confuse our preferences with your intentions. Oh God, we need healing, but we're afraid to use the illusions of control that's so much a part of us. We feel the very changes that would give us integrity. Help us, gracious God, in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Hear these wonderful, freeing words. If we confess our sin, God is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Friends, believe the good news of the gospel. In Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. Apostles' Creed together as printed in our bulletin. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the hope, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He ascended into heaven and Thank you.
From thence she shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. And now greet those around you this morning. Good morning. Welcome to worship here at Church of the Palms. We are very glad you're with us today and we are thankful the Lord has greeted us with such a beautiful day. We hope that you will find this to be a place where not only can you reflect upon what God has done for you, but wonder what God might want you to do in response. And we hope that you will take the time to fill out the friendship pads and through those we may learn more about who you are and how we can be a response to you. And also we encourage you to look through the bulletin. Lots of things are going on here at Church of the Palms. This is a, the church that never sleeps. We uh, invite you also to be mindful of the fact that our tutoring ministry has just begun this past week. And uh, Judy tells me that it was a great week and I got the chance to see all sorts of tutors in there working with kids. Uh, we have more kids that need more tutors. And uh, one hour a week will uh, will go toward changing a child's life. It doesn't take much, it takes just little brains. And uh, we hope that maybe you could work your way into that schedule. She'll be available underneath the tree to learn about um, what kind of uh, tutoring you might be able to provide. Our Honduras ministry is getting ready for their trip at the beginning of next year. And uh, if you'd like to learn more about what that entails and how you might be involved with that, there'll be an orientation meeting for that next Sunday in between the services. Our flu shot clinic is uh, coming up on Saturday. And so take note of that announcement in your bulletin. If you'd like to get a flu shot, you can come here uh, and uh, we will be glad to stick your arm. We need to keep Carol Ryan and her family in our prayers upon the passing of her husband, Dick, this week. Services will be up in Pennsylvania very soon. We have a, a little announcement we wanna to show to you on our screen. This is in preparation for our stewardship season and we're very excited about the things we're gonna invite you to do as a part of stewardship and this video on the screen will give you an idea of what we're talking about. Generosity. The dictionary tells us it is the act of giving freely. As Christians, we understand that it is one of the character traits of God. Perhaps the best known verse in the Bible 
speaks of the Lord's generosity. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, so that everyone who believes in him may not perish, but may have eternal life. Joy. What a wonderful word. It's a word that may evoke thoughts of Christmas in us. Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth receive her King. When Jesus was born, there was joy. As Christ's followers, we are called to be people whose lives are characterized by joy. Chances are we haven't put these two words together too often. But let's do that now. The joy of generosity. That's an interesting idea. In fact, it's more than an interesting idea. It's a biblical truth. Way back in the book of Exodus, when Moses was instructing the Israelites to build the tabernacle, he said, Take from among you an offering to the Lord. Let whoever is of a generous heart bring the Lord's offering. And the Israelites did, with joy. That's right. And in the New Testament, the book of James also talks about the joy of generosity. Every generous act and every perfect gift comes from above, from the Father who made the sun, moon, and stars. Come to think of it, when we look back on 2012 here at Church of the Palms, those words, the joy of generosity, might be a really good description for what we've experienced this year. We gathered in the sanctuary to observe the beginning of Lent with the Ash Wednesday service. Many of us were surprised that night. After we received the imposition of ashes and the bread and cup for communion, we also received an envelope from the church that contained money and a challenge. To give the money away to a person or organization we wanted to bless in Jesus' name. We learned that it was because of the congregation's generosity in 2011. Since our contributions to Church of the Palms exceeded our expenses, our leaders set aside more than $20,000 to give back to the church family with an invitation to try to grow the funds and then give them away to a person or family or organization of our choosing. It was called the Mission Field of Dreams and it was a joy to be able to bless people and ministries right here in our own community and as far away as Kenya and Peru. Who can forget the incredible outpouring of joy and generosity we witnessed right here on campus when we hosted the Day of Hope just before the start of the school year. It was amazing to see 300 volunteers dressed in green Church of the Palms crew t-shirts pack the campus center as we prepared to show the love of Christ to more than 100 children who were identified by Sarasota County Public Schools as being homeless or in great need. Our volunteers were incredible as we helped prepare the children to begin school with clothes, supplies, and a backpack. One grandmother of three children said that when she left here, she felt as if her feet had been washed. Praise God! That's the joy of generosity we hoped the families would feel. We'd like to invite you to continue this experience of the joy of generosity. Beginning today at a table under the fellowship tree in the courtyard, a special devotional book for the next month is available for you. It's entitled, Generosity, 
And the idea is that all of us here at Church of the Palms will use this devotional resource together throughout the month of October as a way of reminding ourselves of the generosity of God as a guide for discussing biblical generosity in the small group or Sunday school class we attend, as a way of examining the evidence of generosity in our lives personally. Truly, it has been a year in which so many of us have experienced the joy of generosity. Our hope and prayer is that more and more of us in the church family will have that experience as we look to 2013. We invite you to look forward to what God has in store for us as we continue to live into our mission of equipping disciples for the service of Christ with joy and generosity. Again, we invite you to pick up a book just outside underneath the tree, uh, Gordon McDonald's great book on generosity, great read, and we hope that you will uh, enjoy that as we head and enter into our season of stewardship. Now, we'd like to invite the children to come forward for the children's moment. They've been anxiously waiting. So you guys might want to sit where you can see our friends here. That's great. Just kind of want to gather around. And if you can't see them, you might want to come around so you can see them. Good morning. You guys were sitting so quietly back there. Great job. Really, really good. I'm so glad you're here. Hi, Moxie. Hi, AJ. How are you, buddy? Look at that smile. So Jesus had told us, and we've been talking about all month, about how we have to show proper respect to everyone. Well, everyone even means God. And I was like, goodness gracious, I know God is my friend, but God's also the creator of the entire universe. How am I going to show proper respect to God? So you know what I did? I turned to my Bible to go, well, this is the place to go to find out these kinds of things. So I went to Matthew 6. And then I thought, well, maybe instead of just reading you the lesson from the Bible, it might be helpful if we use some students from our student ministry to help us. So I asked Madison Brion, Rachel Mallett, Haley Shelton, and Sophie Goodwin to help us tell this story. So Jesus is at the height of his popularity, and he's out preaching to everybody, and he says, be careful not to do good works in front of others. Don't do them to be seen by others. Well, I wonder if there was a lady in a fine dress that day, what she might have said to that. Don't do good works in front of others, but how else am I going to show everyone the right way to do things? I always pray where everyone can hear me to show my shining example. Jesus said, when you pray, do not be like those who only pretend to be holy. They love to stand and pray in the synagogue and on the street corners. They want to be seen by others. What I'm, t what I'm about to tell you is true. They have received their complete reward. When you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who can't be seen. He will reward you. Your Father sees what is done in secret. But what if there was a girl who had been sitting next to her? That's good. What she said about praying in secret, that's what I do. I go into the hen house and pray while I'm collecting the eggs. And I talk to God and tell him about all the problems I'm having with my rooster, who 
who keeps crowing before dawn, which upsets neighbors. I keep talking to him about it, but he won't do anything. Jesus continued, when you pray, do not keep talking on and on the way ungodly people do. They think they will be heard because they talk a lot. Don't be like them. Your father knows what you need even before you ask him. What simpletons thinking they understand prayer? Hey, man, it's just talking to God, right? Just talking? My dear fellow, this is God about whom we're speaking, the revered Almighty. Loosen up, dude. Big man's my buddy, if you know what I mean. I most certainly do not. To begin with, one should consult the dictionary for the proper big words and set the appropriate mood. Dear omnipotent, unapproachable God, high up and far away in heaven. God's not stuffy. You just gotta hang out with him like this. Hey, big man, I got some stuff on my mind. I want a new boat. Oh, and can you, like, fix that blister on my big toe? Jesus said, this is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Perhaps I don't need my dictionary after all. Maybe I should lose the dude. Jesus went on, give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And I guess I can pray about other stuff than just me. <laughs> and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. You know, I wonder what it might have looked like in their bedrooms when they were praying that night. I wonder if anything that Jesus said stuck. Dear God, I'm praying here alone in my bedroom. I want you to be honored, not me. Let your kingdom happen here on earth. That's what matters most. Please give us this bread we need for sustenance or to eat because you're our friend and you care. Please forgive me for the messed up stuff I've done and help me forgive other folks when they do stuff that hurts me. Keep me from committing grave errors, uh, sinning when I'm tempted. And man, I need saving. Thanks a lot. <laughs> when I think about how great you are, God, I'm speechless. You see, we don't have to use great big words when we're talking to God. We don't have to use even a lot of words. We just have to go to God with who we are and trust that he can meet our every need, that he can heal every sadness that we have and give us strength to carry on. That's what respect is all about. Will you pray with me? Lord, you are so awesome. You know us better than we even know ourselves. We just thank you for loving us and for taking care of us always. Amen.
Let us come together in prayer. Dear Lord, we rejoice and give thanks for your offer of love and friendship, for your presence with us, your sacrifice for us. We do know, Lord, that you're here among us, not only this morning, but through the week. You're waiting for us to turn to you. You're waiting for us to look to you. You're waiting for us to pay attention to you, to make time for you. But even in here, as well as in life out there, we are often too busy, Lord. You call us to be still, but uh, this is difficult for us. We prefer to be active. We prefer to be busy. Too much silence or solitude unsettles us. Too much deep reflection rattles us. So we seek diversions. We check for our bulletin for what's happening, and we look for our friends. Even our worthy schedule of weekly activities is often overflowing. And yet amidst all this, deep within us, there's a hunger for you, a hunger for solitude and silence, a hunger for time to reflect, a hunger for you, God, and the busier we get, the more this hunger grows. Grant us, O oh God, the strength of will to feed this hunger, to step away in the midst of other demands, to put off our prayers and postpone our time for reflection. Shield us from this temptation. Drive away that which makes us shrink back. Teach us how to be still and to know you. We pray this day for the loved ones who have passed on, for the infirm whose lives are locked in sick rooms around this area. Bless their doctors, nurses, and therapists with skill and compassion. <clears throat> Bless their families and loved ones with patience and the strength to give support. Let the rest of us not forget or neglect them. Show us how to provide love and care for these as well as those who are readily accessible. We pray for your peace for all who hurt, O Lord. Send your spirit to lead them through the valley of their shadows. Fill their minds with positive things and their hearts with comfort and hope. Answer the cries of the discouraged, the frantic, the frightened, the anxious, the alone. And as we serve the poor who are in need through our food ministry and the many areas that we learned earlier, help us to become something in these people's minds other than the rich and the powerful. Let them see our love and compassion. And in this election season of vitriol and insults, give us the strength to rise above that and instead engage in continual prayer for our nation and its current and incoming leaders. Continue to guide and sustain us who out in the world each day are committed to showing a better way, your way. We thank you for the answers to prayers. We thank you for the opportunity to be generous to, our, to your kingdom in the upcoming stewardship focus. We thank you for friends who are faithful, for people we can call on. We thank you for the forgiveness of our sins and the new life we receive in Jesus. Thank you for the sense of purpose we derive from our call to follow you and to continue your work where you've placed us.
Now help us as we prepare ourselves to hear and obey your word through our worship in the name of Jesus who taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Let us now bring joyously to the Lord our tithes and offerings.
O Lord of, of caring and giving, we bring these offerings to you as an expression of our gratitude for the way we experience your love, not only here, but every moment of the day. We're blessed to be here, and we ask you'll accept these in the spirit in which they're given because of our love for you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. be seated. Before reading the scripture this morning, I just wanted to take a moment to share some exciting things that are going on here at Church of the Palms. First of all, if you were here last week, we did elect and call our new associate pastor, Mingy Brown, who will begin her work with us tomorrow. She doesn't let time get away from her. So she's uh, going to be here tomorrow, and we are grateful for your uh, encouragement of that uh, motion that was brought forward by the Associate Pastor Nominating Committee, and we look forward to having her on our ministry team very shortly. Secondly, in our effort to be more intentional in our mission to equip disciples for the service of Christ, that late last spring our session established uh, some goals for us to aim for in the year ahead, some benchmarks around the direction that we want to be going and moving toward the future. And these goals primarily focus on three things. First, our ministry to children and youth and families. Second, our equipping ministry to adults. And thirdly, our ministry toward reaching out to young adults. 
Specifically, we are working toward a 100% increase in families of children and youth getting involved in spiritual growth, a 50% increase in adults participating in the journey of spiritual growth, and a 50% increase in young adults participating in our ministry. It's a tall order we have set for ourselves, but one that we are very excited about and energized around. The staff in session are considering all sorts of ways that we can direct our ministry and to create more and more opportunities, things like Bible studies and small groups and service projects and prayer gatherings for people to become equipped disciples on their way to serving Jesus Christ. This might mean that we're gonna to have to rearrange some things, do some things a little differently in order to create different approaches so that more and more can take seriously the call to become equipped disciples for the service of Christ. So we ask that you pray with us and for us, the session and the staff about these things and as ideas grow more clearly for us, we will share with you what to look forward to in the near future, good things, to be sure, are in store. So thank you for your prayers in advance for these things. Now I want to turn our attention to the book of James. We have been looking at the book of James over the course of the month of September, and it's been an interesting journey as we've tried to discover what is the message behind this important letter. And we're going to begin by looking at the first few verses of James and then the last few verses of James in chapters 1 and 5. So hear the word of God. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes in the dispersions, greetings. My brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of any kind, consider it nothing but joy because you know that the testing of your faith produces endurance, and let endurance have its full effect so that you may be mature and complete, lacking in nothing. If any of you is lacking in wisdom, ask God who gives to all generously and ungrudgingly, and it will be given you. But ask in faith, never doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. For the doubter, being double-minded and unstable in every way, must not expect to receive anything from the Lord. And then on to chapter 5, beginning at the 13th verse. The apostle writes and says, Are any among you suffering? They should pray. Are any cheerful? They should sing songs of praise. Are any among you sick? They should call for the elders of the church and have them pray over them, anointing them with oil in the name of the Lord. The prayer of faith will save the sick and the Lord will raise them up and anyone who has committed sins will be forgiven. Therefore confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. The prayer of the righteous is powerful and effective. Elijah was a human being like us, and he prayed fervently that it might not rain, and for three years and six months it did not rain on the earth. And then he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth yielded its harvest. My brothers and sisters, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and is brought back by another, you should know that whoever brings back a sinner from wandering will save the sinner's soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. This is the word of the Lord. Let us pray. 
We ask, O oh God, that you will allow these words to point to these words just read and to the word made flesh, that we may discover more of how you have claimed us through your Son and commission us into the world. For we ask it in Christ's name. Amen. When I was a boy, I was an architect. I was an architect, an engineer, and a builder. Any boy my age really was an architect, an engineer, a builder, because most of us had some building set of some sort, Lincoln Logs, Tinker Toys. I had a Lego set. Most of my friends had Lego sets, those little snap-together plastic building blocks. One Christmas, my parents bought me the super-duper 500-piece Lego set, and when I opened it up, I knew that I was the architect of all architects. I was the builder of all builders, the engineer of all engineers. It may come as a surprise to any of you who have ever seen me anywhere close to a real building site. It doesn't take long to figure out that there could be no person further from being an architect, an engineer, and builder than moi. <laughs> Nevertheless, at the age of 10, this is how I saw myself. Now imagine with me, if you will, a 10-year-old Lego architect doing his building, and he is being watched by none other than Frank Lloyd Wright, perhaps the greatest of all the American modern architects. In fact, it's Frank Lloyd Wright who's provided the Lego set to get the boy interested in building and design. So the great architect watches from a distance this boy for a while, building with his little plastic building blocks. And after a while, Frank Lloyd Wright gen gen great gently mentions to the little boy that, that he's available if he would like some help in the skill of design and building. The 10-year-old acknowledges the great architect's offer but returns to his building. And, and, and finally, the boy turns to Frank Lloyd Wright and asks, asks him, do you have any more Legos? I've run out of Legos. Do you have any more Legos? And Frank Lloyd Wright says, well, no, I, I don't have any more of those little plastic blocks, but, but, but here's what I'm thinking. And he begins to speak of, of cliff sides and waterfalls and prairie houses and roof lines and organic architecture, all those things that made Frank Lloyd Wright the greatest of all architects. Now, now the 10-year-old Lego builder grows more and more disinterested with each new design that Frank Lloyd Wright illustrates, grows more and more disinterested with these little pieces of architectural design. He, he's after the little plastic pieces. You know, the ones that snap together. Because he has the 500-piece super-duper set, he can't imagine anything greater. How can this man help, this Frank Lloyd whatever, when he's developing his own masterpiece with the greatest of all materials, Legos? How come when all I want from him is just a few more Legos, the little boy says, and he speaks of environmental harmony textile block and organic architecture. It's a long distance between a 10-year-old Lego builder and a Frank Lloyd Wright. Something like this comes to mind when I think of the issue that gets addressed in the book of James this morning, the issue of prayer. At the end of the book, the Apostle turns to the topic of prayer, and now it's important to remember that at the beginning of the letter of James, the Apostle speaks of 
trials and suffering. In fact, they are the first words from his pen. My brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of any kind, consider it nothing but joy because you know the testing of your faith produces endurance and, and let endurance have its full effect so that you may be mature and complete, lacking in nothing. It's an interesting way to start a letter, talking about trials. You know, most of our letters start usually with the good stuff. You know, how are you? We are fine. Jim's job is great. Sally won the spelling bee. I just got a promotion. We usually start a letter with the good stuff, but James starts his letter with the bad stuff, the trials, the struggles, yet it makes sense, doesn't it? Because if there's anything that you and I share, it's trials. We share struggles. We share sufferings. The first words in Scott Peck's overwhelming bestseller, The Road Less Traveled, were three words. Life is difficult. Millions and millions, when they read those words, said to themselves, this man speaks of truth. So James writes at the beginning of his book of trials. And what James seems to say about trials and struggles and suffering is that somehow they become the means to something greater. They are the, they are the building material to some greater structure. Now, now, not that necessarily God puts these things into our life, these trials, but that somehow they become the extraneous material through which God hopes to build up something great. Consider it all joy when you face trials of any kind. Now, it's important to keep this in mind when we turn to the last chapter of James where the apostle speaks of prayer. Are any among you suffering, James asked? Well, they should pray. Are any cheerful? Well, they should sing songs of praise. Are any among you sick? They should call for the elders of the church and have them pray over them, anointing them with oil in the name of the Lord. The prayer of faith will save the sick, and the Lord will raise them up, and anyone who has committed sin will be forgiven. Now, many have interpreted this passage to mean that, that prayer is God's antidote for trial and suffering, that the prayer is the way to get rid of the trials and the struggles, that the, that the faithful and righteous person, all he needs to do is just to pray hard and the illness and the conflict and the prognosis and the pain and the unemployment and the domestic tension and the heartache, well, it all goes away. But we know better than that. We know that some of those prayers we offer about the trials and the illnesses and the disappointments, they don't get answered the way we want them to. Some of the saintliest people I know are left to endure the conditions for which they prayed alleviation. So prayer is not necessarily what some who interpret this passage may crack it up to be. And then we remember what James has to say at the beginning. Consider it all joy when you face trials. God, the apostle says, is up to something, you know. The master architect is trying to design something great and sturdy inside of you. And life is a journey to discover what that might be. You, you see, it's, tempt it's tempting for all of us 
to be there sitting with our Lego sets with this idea that, that life should be this easy, fit-together structure with smooth surfaces and even edges. It's, it's tempting for us to turn to the master architect and ask for, for more of those identical snap-on blocks that will fit into my tiny, little, unimaginative design that I've laid out for myself, and, and not to see that there might be some greater design, some, some bolder vision that the grand architect has for our lives. And it is the, the designer's great creativity that might even take our struggles and our pain and our disappointment and, and, and make them, this, this extra material, make them into the very beautiful and striking elements of his design. One of the great architectural wonders of the world is the royal palace in Tehran, Iran. Built in the 16th century, it is a palace above all palaces. And, and one of the rooms is a palace called the Hall of Diamonds. And one reads of how when walking into this cavernous hall, you, you truly sense that the walls and, and the ceiling are covered, covered with sparkling diamonds. But looking more closely, you see that what appears to be diamonds are really small shards of broken mirrors, little, little pieces of reflective glass that, that spray the spectrum of light across the room. The story goes that when the palace was being built in the 16th century, a, a shipment of mirrors arrived for what was to be the Hall of Mirrors, which does presently exist in the palace. But when the crates were opened, Crushed pieces of mirror fell out, smashed in transit. The laborers prepared to throw it all away when the architect jumped in and said, wait, wait, maybe they are more beautiful when broken. And with that, he broke the bigger pieces into little pieces and designed all the broken pieces into a different room, and it became the most striking of all the rooms, the Hall of Diamonds a spectacular mosaic of broken and angled reflection. And every person who steps into the room catches their breath. Broken, yes, and yet made beautiful. The reformers, I expect, had this in mind when they wrestled with what should be the most important question and the answer of faith. And they came up with this question, what is the chief end of man? And the answer, the chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy God forever. And, and how are we to glorify God? Is it to simply show up in church in our Sunday best and sing hymns? No, the reformer and the authors of the biblical text would say that God aims to be glorified in the stuff of our lives, the image of God in our lives, the reflection of God is to be, be, to be in our lives. It explains why so much of James' letter talks about how we live our lives, how we go about the day-to-day, -day, even with the trials and the struggles, because it's in the day-to-day -day that God is either glorified or not glorified. You know what I mean? We can either display the handiwork of God in what we do and say, or we can be dull and critical and bitter. Nevertheless, God is anxious to build into our lives a mansion of glory, a hall of diamonds that reflects even with the broken material 
the brilliance of his grace and mercy. Is that not what prayer should be about? Lord, take whatever material you've got and make me into a mansion of glory. A dear colleague of mine, a fellow Presbyterian pastor, was several years ago diagnosed with an aggressive form of cancer and prognosis was 50-50 at best. He was a young father of two kids. When the trial grew heaviest, a few of us pastor buddies drove from different corners of the Northeast to do as it tells us in James, to go to his house so that we could pray for him, lay our hands upon him, anoint him with oil. He got himself out of bed and struggled to the living room when we arrived. We talked for a while and it when it came time to pray, we asked him that, that while we were there to pray specifically for his healing, was there anything else in particular that he wanted us to pray for? And this is what he said. I will never forget what he said. He said, boys, while I am grateful for and covet your prayers of healing, I would ask that you pray even more that whether I live or whether I die, God will be glorified. God will be glorified. And so we prayed. We prayed for healing. But even more, we prayed that the master builder would somehow take the junk material of cancer and somehow allow that to show up as glory in this building site. That he would somehow make this mess a beautiful mansion to display the glory of the designer. Now the good news is my young pastor friend did recover from his cancer, but he would be the first to say that it's not about the healing, it's about the mansion. Years have been given him, but not for him, but for the glory of God. And isn't that the truth for us all, that some are given a century, some are given decades, some are given years, some are given hours. All are given trials and struggles. But no matter who and no matter how long, each of us is in the hands of a grand designer who has visions of how his glory can be revealed in us. So it makes sense, doesn't it, when right in the middle of his letter, the apostle warns us about this thing called prayer and says, you ask and don't receive because you ask wrongly. You ask for Legos when you should be asking for whatever it takes to build a mansion of glory. Joseph Timon in his book, The Colony, I've spoken about this book before, tells the story of the Molokai leper colony on the Hawaiian Islands. In the 1800s, leprosy was a feared and dreaded disease, and, and so on a remote peninsula of the islands, the Molokai leper colony was formed and, and contained lepers who were literally dumped there to be kept away from the healthy people and to die a miserable and lonely death. It was a healthy Catholic priest Father Damien, who saw it as his calling to take up residence in the Molokai colony 
and minister to the outcast and the dying. Oh, but don't you understand, his friends queried, you'll get leprosy, you know, you'll, you'll likely die, you know. To which the, pri the priest replied, indeed, my death is not likely, it's for certain, as is yours. In the meanwhile, why not glorify God? So into the bowels of leprosy he descended and for years brought comfort and joy to the pained and despairing. And sure enough, the good father contracted leprosy. And sure enough, it disfigured his body. And sure enough, it led him quickly to death. But it wasn't about the leprosy. It wasn't about how many decades or how many years. It was about the glory. Will God be glorified in my service to the outcasts? God certainly knows, wrote the humble father, what is best for my sanctification. And I gladly repeat, thy will be done. And to this day, on that Malachi Peninsula, they still speak of that glorious building, a life well lived by a humble priest, a glorious mansion made more beautiful by broken mirrors.
I remind you that following the service, you may want to go over to the welcome table and pick up one of those books on generosity to read with us over the course of this next month. And now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit rest and abide with you now and forevermore. Amen. Every Sunday morning throughout the year, you can view this live telecast from the Sanctuary of Church of the Palms. Church of the Palms is located in Sarasota, Florida. These broadcasts of our 9 o'clock service are seen locally on Comcast Cable, Channel 189, and simultaneously on the Internet via live streaming. There's another traditional service presented in the sanctuary at 11 this morning. And a contemporary service in the Garden of the Campus Center is presented each Sunday at 9. Church of the Palms is a Presbyterian Church, USA. Throughout the week, we have adult classes at 6.12 p.m. For instance, a study called Conversations with God, Prayer 101. That's held in the chapel reception room with Dale and Marianne Volrith. A study called Freedom in Christ. What does that really mean? Breaking Free, a Beth Moore study with Carolyn Wilson in room 206. You want to cultivate the fruit of the Spirit in your life. The Fruit of the Spirit study with Dr. Alan Rada is held in room 205 and 207. Where do you stand on the fruitful behavior scale? Why do we believe what you believe? Apologetics, Defending the Faith with Tony Liga in Room 202. All of these studies occur at 6.12 p.m. on Wednesdays. There's still time to sign up to be a tutor at Back to Basics Tutoring. Please consider giving an hour or more a week to help a student with his or her studies. Maybe you might want to be a substitute and fill in on occasion. 
If you have questions or decide that you would like to volunteer, please call Judy Armitage at 924-1323. Resurrection House, a resource center for the homeless. People helping people is what is happening between Church of the Palms and the Resurrection House. We're one of the largest contributors each week to the Resurrection House, which is much appreciated. Thank you for your ongoing donations of needed items of clothing. Discipleship Now is a weekend spiritual retreat at Sarasota Baptist Church for high school students from all over Sarasota. The theme this year is Awakenings with awesome guest worship leaders and speakers. It's an opportunity for students to learn about what is to be, to be a disciple of Christ, and how to take the next steps in that journey. Join Church of the Palm students for this amazing weekend, October 19th through the 21st. You can contact Derek Thompson or Moriah Dunn for more information and to register at 924-1323. Don't forget the Sarasota Pops is coming in a concert to Church of the Palms, October 28th at 3 p.m. All Hallows' Eve meets All Saints' Day. Enjoy a little early Halloween concert with Sanson's Danse Macabre, then celebrate All Saints' Day with When the Saints Go Marching In. And featuring our wedding theme for the season, Something Old, is the Bach Brandenburg Concerto No. 3. Something New is a beautiful piece by Eric Whitaker called October. Something Borrowed is a medley from Phantom of the Opera. And Something Blue is Colton Kaysen singing from Old Blue Eyes, Frank Sinatra Favorites. To get more information, you can contact John Pereira at 924-1323. Next Sunday morning at 9 Eastern Time, Church of the Palms will bring you another live telecast from our sanctuary on Comcast Cable Channel 189 locally, as well as around the world on the Internet via live streaming. If you'd like to view these programs on the Internet, go to our homepage at www.churchofthepalms.org, click on Communications, and drop down to the category Media. At that point, you'll be given short, simple, easy instructions to allow you to watch our live streaming on the internet. Next Sunday morning, we'll bring another live telecast originating in our sanctuary at 9 Eastern Time. Until then, this is Jimmy Lance. In the coming week, may the peace of Christ soothe your heart and allow you wisdom to overcome all difficulties. Enjoy this day, this gift, God's good morning. <laughs>